0: Down the near sideline. Trinidad is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that. Touchdown. Cougars on the first play of the game. Takes it down the right side of the lane. Right to the rim. Scoop and a score. It rolls around and drops down. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post. What a goal. The voice of the Cougars is talking BYU Sports with the players and coaches past and present who've made you rise and shout. And this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143. Here now is your host, Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building here in Provo, Utah for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. It's a weekly hour of Cougar conversations with BYU sports personalities you either know or would like to get to know a little bit better, and here is where we get to do that. In a longer form interview setting, we hope you enjoy whether listening live on BYU Radio Sirius XM 143, BYU org, or on the BYU Radio app. You can also hear our show on demand via the Behind the Mic Show page at BYU org, or on my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast feed. Tonight. As the Cougars prepare to fly to New Orleans now to face LSU and their Heisman Trophy candidate Darius Geis, we'll talk with the guy who's game planning to stop Geis and the Tiger attack. BYU linebackers coach and former Cougar player Steve Kofusi, father of Corbin and Bronson and Devin and Darrell and Alexis and uncle to other current and former football players around the nation. We'll talk with Steve about his football life and why he may soon be the first gentleman of Provo. Also on this evening's broadcast, record-setting BYU wide receiver and later NFL and CFL standout Austin Colley. Austin has retired from football, in part due to repeated concussions, and he's now involved in an effort to help in the diagnosis and assessment of concussions. Austin will join us in our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU alumni. But we start tonight with With a special guest, he is a former BYU quarterback, an inductee into the BYU athletic, the college football, and the pro football halls of fame. His number has been retired by BYU. He's a beloved Cougar and current successful businessman, philanthropist, and broadcaster. He is Steve Young, and he'll be presenting at the BYU Management Society's Moral and Ethical Leadership Conference at the LDS Conference Center Theater next Friday. One week from this Friday, to register for the event, go to Salt Lake. Dot B-Y-U-M-S dot org. Steve and B-Y-U-A-D Tom Homo will be among the presenters together, and it's coming up on September 8th, the day before the BYU Utah football game. Steve Young kicks things off on tonight's edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubell. Steve, thank you and welcome, and uh, where are you spending uh, most of your time these days anyway?
1: Well, I'm, in, I'm in California. Uh, we've been living in uh, the south side of San Francisco for... I've been here since 1997, and uh, um, yeah, we just uh, got... Four kids, uh, sixteen to eight. I got my first eleventh grader driving to school. Jeez, Greg, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's harrowing, these teenagers. Harrowing. But a lot of fun.
0: Do you get back to Utah frequently, infrequently, every once in a while? How would you characterize it?
1: A lot. Actually a lot. My my brother's there in ormond and, and uh Mike, he's at emergency doctor at American Fork Hospital. My sister Melissa's there in Provo and uh, they have uh, seven and six, five kids, uh, respectively. And uh, my parents spend the uh, summers in Provo, and then the winters are down in Phoenix where my other two brothers live. So between uh, the Phoenix area and Salt Lake, that's where we kind of, uh, you know, and all of our friends, of course, and we have a place down in Provo. So we, we get there quite a bit, Greg, right? and we enjoy it.
0: But you really love the Bay Area, right?
1: Well, it's home. I mean, I... I You know, we always wonder if we, you know, you are, you wonder how did you, how did you end up being here for 40 years? You know, I was like, well, I don't know, it's where we started. So, (laughs) I, I uh, you know, we're definitely entrenched here uh, uh, in our and in our, uh, you know, just in general schools and everything. But we have, you know, strong affinity to everything that's happening in Utah. That's for
0: sure. Steve, division of labor-wise between your business, your philanthropy, your broadcasting. How do you kind of view yourself these days? Where do you, like, where are most of your mental energies expended with those three?
1: Uh, you know, it's mostly uh, the super focus is home, right? I mean, it, I I've made it so that work, you know, my private equity firm that uh, we started with, uh, Bob Gay, who's now a member of the seventy, in charge of uh, Asia. He's now he obviously left the firm about uh, by, by five or six years ago to full-time church service, and so, uh, you know, I, I live about 300 yards from the office, hmm. and so I spend my day kind of going back and forth, and, you know, I'm in charge of carpool, I'm in charge of, you know, getting kids off of school, or not in charge, but I mean, I do, a, you know, I don't mean like a division of labor, but, you know, I do, I'm do. i really around, and so that's how it works. It's home and, and, and work kind of 300 yards away. Uh, in the fall, it gets a little busier because um, of Monday night, and the Monday night schedule is really just being on site uh, wherever the game is. So uh, a couple Mondays from now, a week from Monday, we'll be in Minnesota. And I'll leave from Minnesota uh, like Monday morning, get in there in the afternoon, uh, go right to the stadium, and we'll do the pregame and the postgame. And then I'll wake up first thing, take the 6 a.m. flight back to San Francisco and be back, uh, you know, 9, 9, 8, 9 a.m. on Tuesday. So that's what I'll, that'll look like most Mondays for me for till Christmas. And that makes it a little bit more hectic yeah. and, uh, you know I'm not sure that's good or bad <laughs> kid my kids would have differing uh, opinions about it My wife really likes it she thinks it's a really good thing and that's probably why I keep doing it and I, I enjoy the the um, I, I just enjoy the connection I enjoy talking football I don't get to talk football that much that's why I'm you know love talking to you every once in a while but uh, yeah, I enjoy being out there talking about the NFL and especially the big issues. Uh, especially the psychology of the game, those kinds of things really interest me.
0: Yeah, so what uh, if there's a storyline for you, if you were to kind of summarize what, what, what a pro football storyline might be that interests you right now, what what might it be?
1: Um, well, I think, you know, the concussion issue is very interesting, and how it's now. Uh, I saw that when there was a guy from ESPN who covered, who did, uh, did a lot of the college games, uh, color games, retired and left the game because he just felt, that in know, good conscience. He couldn't support football anymore hmm. that's a big thing you know greg this is not small and so that's a, anything like that i mean that's obviously huge but uh, uh some of the other issues that come up um you know, player safety um you know uh player empowerment for recognizing with this assumption of the risk so that you have a you know how can we get players so that they you know people, there's dangerous jobs out there there's bull riding there's uh astronaut there's you know all kinds of things that people receive the risk and say, you know what, I'll still do it. And that's why football has got to figure out the assumption of the risk. So the players can say, I see what the risks are, and I'm willing to take them. And right now with CTE, it feels like we don't know exactly what that risk looks like. And because we don't know that puts a lot of uh, angst into the system, which I understand. And uh, so I'm sure that's going to be an ongoing conversation throughout this year, especially with the, Report back from the CTA specialist, the CTE specialist, that said that he got a—he uh, had uh, 110 NFL uh, 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 brains of deceased NFL players, and 109 of them had CTE. I mean, those are kind of alarming things that uh, create some—you know—good dialogue around uh, what, what we want. To, what football looks like in the future.
0: Later, later in this hour, I'm talking with Austin Colley and uh, one of Austin's. Uh, well, he
1: knows it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Austin struggled. Uh, and I would be very interested in that interview, to be honest with you, because Austin struggled more than maybe anybody that I know, in with head injuries, and and uh, how that looks for him as a 35 year old man now. I mean, how old is Austin? 32. Uh, he's he's uh, he and, was uh, he was drafted
0: in 2009 in this in his early 20s, so he's he's early 30s now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, so and then you're looking at trying. I, I I've got kids that I want to live till I'm 90, 100. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the goal. And so, uh, you know, what does it look like when you're, you know, 70, 80? And that's why the brain is such a hard thing for, you know, it's the last frontier for science. And and we've got some things that can help. Um, There's a a product out of Stanford that I'm really excited about for the first objective test for um, concussion. Because even the NFL today, all the things you hear about the protocols and everything, it's all subjective people on the field looking at you, asking a couple questions. How you doing? You know, what do you think? And they have to take, they have to make a call. And uh, and that's hard. But what if there's an objective test? And it's an eye test uh, that's eye tracking. You put goggles on for 20 seconds and it can clearly, uh, and it can actually help let you know when you're back to health, too. And, uh, and you know, those are the kind of things that are out there. But they're languishing because, you know, there's not, you know, people mm-hmm. think, well, Anything that's helpful that we'd want, anything that's useful, we'd want to get get out to market. The truth is, you know, there's 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 a little bit of a not malaise because everybody's focused on it, talking about it, but there's certainly not energy around making sure the player safety is number one. And I uh, there's a talk about it, but you know, this kind of product makes me let me lets me know that uh, you know we've got a long way to go.
0: Talking with Steve Young. Steve, you're going to be in town uh, next week. You're going to, you're going to be at an event, in an event with Tom Holmo. It's the BYU Management Society uh, Moral and Ethical Leadership uh, Conference. It'll be at the LDS Conference Center Theater next Friday. You and Tom will be, and I'll be uh, fortunate and honored to uh, moderate a QA and a with the two of you, so I'm looking forward to seeing you for that. We'll tell listeners how yeah, to register right. it for it in a second. Uh, just quickly, your involvement in that before I get to a last couple things for you.
1: Well, no, I was asked to do it uh, a year ago. i, I I'm honored. Uh, and especially share it with my old friend Tom Homo. Tom and I, you know, we played in college. He was the one that Lavell told Tom, Tom, we're moving Steve to defense. And we want him to play safety. Go teach him how to backpedal. So Tom went out to the Smithfield house and we started backpedaling. And that was where I got the news. One day we were, barely, for a month, we probably were backpedaling, trying to figure out how to play safety. And that's where we got the news. Someone walked in and said, hey, Doug Scoble's left. For San Diego State, remember he was the one that said I will never coach a lefty, and that's why I precipitated my demise to defense. Uh, and then the news came in that Ted Tolner, uh was the new head, uh, new offensive coordinator, and uh, he had walked in. and I, I, would stick. I was hanging around after practice and throwing the ball. and He said, "Why are you playing quarterback?" And I go, "Because the coach wouldn't, you know, didn't want a lefty." And so Tom was the one that was uh, right in the middle of that. So we've been together a long <laughs> time. Uh, we played together in San Francisco again, and obviously we're just very close friend. We talk all the time, and I really appreciate Tom, and so it'll be fun to share the the stage for Tom. I'm very interested in his commentary around moral and ethical leadership and and, uh, learning a lot. I try to take pieces of uh, um, truth where I can find them and kind of put them into my life, so I look forward to hearing from him as
0: well. Tom's been at the forefront, Steve, of many efforts to honor Lavelle Edwards here in this 2017 season. And whatever we can do and Tom and the school can do to honor him, the better. Uh, it's it's just a great time for college football fans to re- be reminded of just how great Lavelle was and what he meant to the game and uh, to this community.
1: Yeah, and I think everyone knows that Lavelle, um made the difference in my life. And uh, he, he was blessed with, uh, you know... Innate, heaven-sent ability to see someone's potential before, well before they ever saw it, and so he made a the impact in my life cannot be uh, understated, and um, and so we miss him and we honor him, and I think that uh, honoring great human beings is uh, is how we learn and grow from people. Like we wish we need more Lavelle Edwards that have you know unique people skills, who are patient, who see the greater uh, the bigger picture for the long game for people's development and uh, recognizing that what you see right now not necessarily is going to reflect of someone's future. And uh, Lavelle was eminently patient with mm-hmm. human beings, and uh, we need more, more Lavelles.
0: We're going to be retiring uh, the numbers of Mark Wilson, Robbie Bosco, and Luke Staley, the number six. Also in the month of September, you've had your jersey number retired, and those two quarterbacks mean a lot to you. Right before you, well, very close to before you and right after you at BYU with Mark and Robbie.
1: Yeah. I told Robbie all the time, you know, enough years, I want enough years to go by, the people are like, oh, yeah, Steve Young, he was on our national championship team. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs>
0: Steal all Robbie's glory.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Robbie, obviously, we've been friends forever. And um, we were on the intermural water basketball
0: championship team you know, <laughs> that uh, I'm sure you've heard about. Why does that not get that listed among on your accomplishments?
1: 1983. Well, it's so funny. We all went out for water basketball with Gordon Hudson, myself, Jim Herman, Lee Johnson, Robbie. We all showed because we're like, oh, you know, just for fun, a winter thing to do. And, and, and everyone was arguing because there was only five guys allowed in the pool at the same time to play the game. They're like, oh, who's going to be the sub, you know? And, and it was a big argument about it, and I don't know who ended up being sub. So we jumped in, we started playing about two minutes in, and everyone was like yelling, sub, sub, because everybody's like dying, so tired. And remember, our whole team was hanging on to the water's edge trying to compete. But just a funny little really a picture. Uh, and Mike, Mike Eto'o was on that team, too. We have a picture that's really priceless. That We're all the championship, we're all the trophy, the real champions for water basketball, and all of us are so- soaked and wet with our, health, our little hats with a number on them, and, and it's a classic.
0: The greatest team that never was, that water basketball dynasty. Uh, last, <laughs> last thing or two for you, Steve. I don't know how, how up to speed you are in the 2017 BYU season, but I know you have got a thought or two about uh, Tanner Mangum, who's now a starter as a junior here at BYU.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited for Tanner. Tanner showed uh, great maturity in dealing with the things he had to deal with last year. And uh, not easy. He's a competitive guy, and I, I respect him uh, a lot for for how he did it. And now, uh, you know, now it's time. And uh, great challenges in front of him. Um, grateful for the game this last week to, you know, to kind of expose what all young teams before the start of a season, you know, you, there's always things that you got to work on, always things to to, to – some of them were glaring. I'm grateful for that opportunity before we go down to New Orleans for the Superdome for, for LSU, and so you can have a week to kind of, you know, work on those things. But I think, Tanner, everyone's high expectations. Every time we've had an experienced quarterback, things go pretty well. I mean, I think if you if you took all the years that you had a returning quarterback who you – well, it's subjective, of course, but you think is, uh, you know, somebody who's, um, you know, looking back on the 10, 15 guys that have been in that situation, those years when they're in their junior, senior year or their experience – you look at the wins, I'm going to say, I bet we average nine wins a year. And so I'm saying that with an experienced quarterback like Tanner, you got to suspect that uh, we'd be looking at that kind of a season. I
0: look forward to it. You can have a chance to watch the game Saturday uh, from the Superdome?
1: Uh, I can't wait. I, I'm sure I will. And uh, big challenge, no question. they got returning starter quarterback, big running back, great team, kind of home. I, I, my heart goes out to everyone in Houston. I can't even – I can't fathom – Dear friend went down there to find their mothers down there uh, living alone. And the story of trying to get to her and, and, and you know, wading through six feet of water and then, then literally, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, stroking through the water to try to get to her home and make sure she's okay. I mean, the things that I'm hearing are mm. incredible. So I feel for everyone down there, pray for them. But obviously going into New Orleans, uh, I've been in that stadium a lot. It'll be loud. But our team travels well. I, I have a feeling Colonial will have them, they'll play well. And uh, who knows? I have high hopes.
0: Well, Steve, uh, we look forward to seeing you. I'll, I'll be with you at this event uh, next Friday at the LDS Conference Theater, Friday, September 8th, the uh, BYU Management Society Moral and Ethical Leadership Conference. You and Tom among the speakers presenting that day. I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for taking a few minutes uh, here today tonight with us, and uh, all the best. We'll see you soon.
1: Greg, always great to talk to you. look forward to talking to you more often.
0: Thanks, Steve Young. That is Steve Young with us uh, for a few moments here on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. And again, Steve will be in town uh, next week speaking at the BYU Management Society Moral and Ethical Leadership Conference. It is the September eighth, the Friday, the day before the BYU Utah football game, from eight thirty a.m. to four p.m. at the LDS Conference Theater, the LDS uh, Conference Center Theater. You can register at saltlake.byums.org. That's saltlake.byums.org. Steve Young, BYUAD Tom Holmo. a Q&A with Steve and Tom. I'll be moderating that. And other great speakers, uh, New York Times bestselling author and CEO Liz Wiseman, Operation Underground Railroad CEO Tim Ballard, and others, prizes, breakfast and lunch. Again, the BYU Management Society Moral and Ethical Leadership Conference. It is next Friday, one week from this Friday, September 8th at the LDS Conference Center Theater, 830 a.m. to 4 p.m. Register at saltlake.byums.org. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. My name is Greg Rubel. You are tuned in on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. And you can get us on demand after the show at byuradio.org. Go to the show page there or my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast feed. Austin Collie and Steve Kafusi still to come. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel.
2: The BYU License Plates. No matter where you are, you show your Cougar spirit and you make it possible for students to get an education. The donation you make when you get the license plates goes to support BYU scholarships. So whether spreading Cougar pride coast to coast or getting to the big game, you're also funding scholarship opportunities for BYU students.
0: Learn about free special plates today at alumni.byu.edu slash plates. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Well, Austin Collie burst onto the BYU scene in 2004 as a rookie wideout out of Northern California where he was a high school sensation. A player who really could have gone almost anywhere in the West certainly chose to come to BYU where in his freshman season he set BYU rookie records for touchdown catches and receiving yards and led the nation in freshman receptions per game. After a stellar first season, he was gone off on an LDS mission and his head coach would be gone too, replaced by a new leader to usher Austin back into the program upon his return. And after getting back from Argentina... Austin would, over the next two seasons, catch 2,500 yards worth of passes for 22 touchdowns. He set school for 30—the tu- uh, next two seasons, just the 22 touchdowns. Then he set school, conference, and national records, left BYU after his junior season as the school's standard-bearer in many receiving categories, and remains the BYU single-season record holder in receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, and 100-yard games. He appeared on multiple All-America teams. He was a draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts in 2009, And as a player for the Colts and Patriots, compiled almost 2,000 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns before injury, cut short a career that would continue later in the CFL. Now retired from football, Austin Colley is involved, among other things, in private business and in an effort to assist in concussion assessment. We welcome Austin Colley in tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment sponsored by BYU Alumni Connected for Good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu/slash chapters. Austin Collie. good evening to you.
2: Greg, that was quite the introduction.
0: You want me to travel around with you and do that more places?
2: <laughs> kind of. I'd love that.
0: <laughs> good to speak with you. How you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Where are you tonight?
2: So I'm, I'm, I'm in Montana right now. I'm at a, uh, a youth football practice up here in Billings.
0: So what do you do? Uh, how, how, what takes you to Montana?
2: So uh, we're actually right now doing, uh, you know, I've I, become a small partner in, in a concussion assessment tool um, startup application called Canary Concussion. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we came up here to kind of show the product off and, and show how they can implement it up here in the, in the youth football program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's more kind of a real-time assessment tool that you can use on the sidelines and uh, use for various sports.
0: Now, you know, your dad and, and his sons were involved in receiver tech. Is that still a thing? Is that still a going concern?
2: Yeah, so my dad, my dad's still doing uh, uh some private training through Receiver Tech. Uh, it's more one-on-one right now and, and uh uh you know, my my dad's always going to love coaching football and, and coaching young whiteouts, so he tries to do that as much as he can.
0: I spoke to Steve Young in our in our last segment before you came on, and we got into a, a concussion discussion. And he immediately, you know, uh, when I told him that you were coming on, he, he expressed interest in your situation. And and both you and Sti- Steve had a bit of a tie in that concussions were a part of what um, what what kind of uh, led to the end of your professional careers. Is that accurate to say?
2: Yeah, I, I would say I would say more to, more towards Steve. I mean, Steve could have played for however long you wanted. Um, I mean the guy's a hall of famer uh for myself I, I think it got to the point where the uh, the risk didn't uh, didn't outweigh the reward um you know coming off a knee injury you know when when you when you have to start from the bottom uh being a free agent um it really de- doesn't matter what you've done in the past you know i i had a pretty good run with the colts but with the head injuries and then also with my knee yeah. uh, i just i think the the risk uh didn't out uh, it kind of outweighed the reward so that kind of worked against me. I
0: want to go way back a little bit here uh your ties to Canada. And of course as a Canadian where I grew up I, I latched onto this immediately but you do have some Canadian ties that uh that go back to your dad, right?
2: Yeah, my dad uh, actually played 4 years up there in the CFL with the Hamilton Tiger-Cats. I uh I was born there. Uh lived there for only about 11 months but you know was was blessed with the opportunity to kind of go back up there and and uh, play some ball up there for a year.
0: As your dad was a receiver at BYU and of course the Collie kids, Zach and you and Dylan, receiving's been in the blood, I guess, right? Could you do anything else? Did you want to do anything else other than be a receiver? Of course, you went both ways in high school, but is that kind of a, was it a natural thing for you?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, all the drills that we were doing when we were younger, you know, my dad used to throw, you know, wadded up socks at us to kind of work on our hand-eye coordination. and You know, I, everything was kind of tailored towards, you know, being a receiver. You know, I, I looking back on it, I would have loved to have been a quarterback, right? I mean, barely hit touched. But, uh, uh, you know, it, I had a lot of fun playing receiver. I, I, I'm biased, I, I believe, that the best athletes on the field play receiver. So I was fortunate enough to, to play that position.
0: I mentioned you could have gone a lot of places, tons of schools after you as a high schooler. I mean, Austin, just go watch his high school video. It's so fun to watch. And, and there were so many schools into you. But was BYU always going to happen? How hard did they have to recruit you to, to get you there? Or was that something you thought you wanted to do from the get-go?
2: You know what I? Growing up in Northern California, Pac-10 football was kind of it for me, right? Uh, we didn't watch a lot of uh, BYU games. Um, we watched Pac-10, and, and being from Northern California, you know, I, I kind of gravitated towards the Stanford, the Cal, um, even the UCLA. So, you know, when I was uh, getting these Pac-10 offers, that's kind of where my interest went initially. And I had actually committed to Stanford; they were my first offer, and I committed to them. And then about a month, two months, so a month and a half before signing day, I kind of pulled that commitment and, and changed my mind because um, one of the goals that I had was starting as, as uh, you know, a true freshman and, and being able to play with my brother. And, and I felt that BYU was going to give me the best opportunity to achieve the, uh, the first thing that I mentioned. And, uh, you know, I, at the time I went to a Stanford game and it kind of turned me off because Stanford football really wasn't that great at the time. and wasn't what it is today or what it was, you know, 30 years ago. So, uh, you know, I, I went to BYU game. I got a good feeling about it. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, knowing guys like like Dwayne and, uh, you know, that, no, having known him from such a young age and him being a part of our family and, uh, and then my brother being there is really kind of what, you know, had me gravitate towards BYU there in the end.
0: And, you know, of course your dad had the tie to BYU, but I guess he wasn't really in your ear saying it's BYU, it's BYU, kind of let you do your own thing, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, it's a long drive to Utah, and, and we'd make that drive occasionally. But you know, uh, it was a you know, my older brother had an opportunity to walk on there and eventually earn a scholarship, and uh you know, I think him setting that path kind of uh kind of helped me make that decision and, and kind of want to play with my brother for one year. Right? We would overlap a year, and that would be the only mm-hmm. time in our lives we got to play together on the same team. And you know, obviously, I'm glad I did. It was. A, a of fun being able to play
0: with him and that was brother zach i'm talking with austin collie former byu wide receiver great and so at my in my current position here with byu athletics and byu broadcasting i have at my disposal six interns and they're all wonderful but back in the day my first ever intern that i got to use um as a broadcaster was zach collie who's your brother right
2: no yeah he, he's still talking about those times great times
0: they were, they were good times. I had to let him go on. game I couldn't use him on game days for obvious reason. But he was great during the week. Uh, so right. uh, you, after your freshman year at BYU, and it was an amazing freshman year. I had so much fun calling your your first season. No doubt at all. Mission always in the plans. Um, no,
2: no. I mean, I uh, you you kind of get a little bit of taste of success like yeah, that, and right. and uh, you you kind of start you know changing your your. Uh, your thought process a little bit, um, and you always know that you're going to come back a little sluggish, and, and I kind of, I kind of scared me. So, uh, you know, luckily I had an older brother that had already gone and served a mission, and, and he kind of knocked some sense into me, and you know, thankfully I went. Yeah, because it's probably the greatest decision of my life, and and to this day has kind of helped mold me into the person that I am, and and kind of established the work ethic I needed to get to that next level. And had I not done that, I don't know if I would have had that work, you know, the same work ethic to get there. But, um, no, the, the mission's the mission was was definitely not a for sure thing for me, um, and and wasn't probably until about you know, two and a half months, probably halfway through my freshman year. I ended up leaving in January, and I would say. Uh, October is when I hmm. was, you know, set on. Okay, I'm going to go.
0: But once you were gone, and then came back, you said, "Yeah, that was the right thing to do."
2: Oh yeah, made yeah. The best decision of my life.
0: Yeah. So you you left with one coach, head coach. You came back with another. Uh, was there any uncertainty upon your return that that BYU was still for you?
2: Uh, no, no. I always knew I was going to go back to BYU. Right. I, I did uh, kind of set some some uh, solid groundwork there with. With what I had accomplished, and you know, I I I loved I love BYU, still love BYU. You know, it's a it's a great institution, great uh, great atmosphere, especially for LDS kids, and you know, I wanted to be a part of that. So, uh, you know, I, I I didn't have any second thoughts about going back.
0: Of course, I didn't. You know, I I wouldn't have planned on anything else either. Just there was a coaching change in the middle, and you have to make sure the new guy, you know, is is something that's going to work for you, and it certainly did, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no,
2: no question about
0: it. So 2007-2008, your last two years at BYU, Max, Harvey, Dennis, you. I, I, I tell people about that era, and I go, Max Hall one of the best all-time QBs at BYU, Harvey Younger, one of the best all-time running backs, Dennis Pinnum, one of the best all-time t- tight ends, and you, one of the best, if not the best, all-time wide receiver. To have the four of you at those four spots on the field to be together for as long as you were doing what you did, that was a really unique and successful combination. I hope BYU fans recognize just kind of that lightning-in-a-bottle situation that existed there. We're talking all-timers all playing together. That was a great time.
2: Oh, so much fun. And not, not, only, not only, you know... Not only good at the positions that we have, but we all had that same competitive edge, right? I mean, we we were all getting better. You know, there'd be nights where, where Dennis and Max and myself would be throwing it, you know, midnight on a on a you know on a weeknight, trying to work on things that may have occurred during the game that we wanted to work on and kind of polish. Um, but it was fun, man. Some of the funnest times in my life were, were getting together with those guys and you know just working and. And going into games, with those guys, and, and just having fun, just airing it out, and, and winning ball games.
0: After your junior season, you were now five years out of high school, and so the question now is: NFL draft as after a junior, or go one more year? The thought process at that time: what was the most uh, overriding factor for you?
2: So when I when I was in high school, before coming to BYU, you know, I I, I had set an, you know numerous goals that I wanted to accomplish, and one of those was. You know, starting as a true freshman, I kind of had it mapped out. I'd that I'd start as a true freshman, go on a mission, and then leave early and not register one of those years so that I could be on, on, on par with the age of a fifth-year senior in my same class, right? I didn't want the age to be a knock because I knew that was sometimes a knock against players coming from BYU, having – red-shirted and then served a mission. They were coming out at, like, 26, 27 years old, and I knew that team they would use that against me. Um, and I didn't want that. So I kind of had it kind of planned out what my route would be, and, and if everything went according to plan, that's what it would do. And, you know, I I, I uh, felt like I had accomplished everything that, that I needed to accomplish um, at BYU, right? And then, and then I, you know, there wasn't much more for me to prove, right? Uh, there was still you know, winning a national title or going to a BCS game. But, you know, uh, when you've had your sights set on a dream for so long and you have an opportunity to kind of go get that dream and, and reach the pinnacle of of your, you know, you, what you've been working for for so long, you know, it's kind of hard to pass that up. And, and uh, talking with all the teams and stuff like that, I, I felt like that was like the best opportunity. And, you know, I uh, prayed about it. My wife and I prayed about it and, and. You know, had I not done that, I wouldn't have been able to have the experience of going to a Super Bowl, of playing in an AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. of playing in the you know possibly not playing with Colts and playing with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played the game. So, uh, you know, ultimately it was the right decision.
0: Pre-draft, did you get a sense the Colts might be the team? No,
2: no. I, I mean, I'm I'm sure if you, you if you talk to you know an array of, of NFL guys, they'll they'll tell you a, a completely different experience and. You know one from the other, uh, as far as what uh, what led up to the draft day for me, you know the only the only uh, I maybe got one call from him uh, and it lasted me ten minutes
0: hmm. then they, then you 're a Colt. It? and, and I, you know wherever you, wherever BYU players go, the BYU fans become fans of that NFL team you know how that goes, and I remember to, even as a broadcaster, I was all over every day 's Colts news to see what you were doing and how you were doing. And every you know, I I, I'd watch your reps, and I would just be kind of proud and happy that you were doing what you were doing. Then you make the roster, and then you're in the rotation, and you're catching touchdowns. And and uh, I was a huge Colts fan, like I was when Rob was there, when Morris. uh, You know, wherever, wherever you guys go, that's kind of where I go with my attention. When you look back at your Colts career, what's the most memorable thing, or most enjoyable thing, or the thing you took most from your time in Indianapolis? I'd
2: say the whole experience. I mean, I, I I don't think I can put my – I mean, obviously the Super Bowl, right? I mean, but even then, it was my rookie year. It, you're already, you know, feel like you're living in fantasy land. I mean, I'm, I'm in the huddle with – I mean, every game, I'll tell you, Greg, and I'll be honest with you, every game I go into, you know, as a starter in the huddle, and I'm looking around and I got like five future Hall of Famers, guys I used to grow up watching in high school, right? Like Reggie Wayne was one of my favorite receivers in high school. <laughs> And the fact that, like, I'm in this huddle and I'm, I mean, there, every game I kind of had to pitch myself and be like, dude, get it together right now, right? Like, you know, you deserve to be here. Let's, let's get going. Um, just don't don't let these guys down, right? And, uh, you know, I, I think the age difference was, you know, I mean, I looked at all these guys like, like they're my dads, right? Because that was kind of the relationship that we had. Um, so every game was a, a, a unbelievable experience. Playing the Super Bowl was an unbelievable experience. You know, the amount of fun that I had imagined it would be to play in the NFL, I mean, quadruple it. And that's how much fun I had. I, I, it was so much fun playing on Sunday and underneath the lights. And, you know, part of that has to do with just the the realization that you made it, right? Everything that right. you'd worked so hard for, you made it, you're there. And then to perform at that level and, and feel like you belong, I mean, it was is unbelievable.
0: I had Rob Morris on the show a few weeks ago and asked about his time with Peyton. Cause it seems like a lot of the guys seem to say a lot of the same things about Peyton, about what's the good guy he is, what a team guy he was and how he treated most everybody in the program the same, or like he was one of their guys. Did you get the same impression? Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, he's, you know, a lot, uh, a lot happens behind closed doors that not a lot of fans hear about. And the things that you, you know, things you won't read and, and, uh, uh, there's not, there's not. A, I don't think there's a quarterback that's ever played the game that's been that's been able to affect an entire organization the way that he has. Right? I mean, it, it was unbelievable to watch.
0: Mm. How do you view your New England stint and your CFL stint at the at the end here?
2: Oh, I love my New England. I, I love playing in New England. I mean, I I wish I could have kept playing there. Um, wish I could have kept playing with Tom. Tom again, another one of those guys See, that no kidding. The entire. Uh, yeah. yeah, that affects the entire organization and Bill. You know, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people, you know, maybe have some uh, preconceived notions about Bill and, and, and the way that he is, right? But to be honest with you, I, I love playing for him. He was, he was a great coach um, and, and, you know, expected a lot. But I, I like playing for a coach who expected a lot out of me, right? Pushed me, right? Um, and so it, it was a blast. I mean, just playing in the NFL and, and uh you know, get to play two AFC Championship games and one Super Bowl is was,
0: was phenomenal. How about life in Vancouver? It was fun. You know, I, I you know
2: I, I think uh, uh, it, it was good for me to go up there because you know I I don't think a lot of players, especially in my position, that you know maybe think that it's going to go on forever and then suddenly kind of gets cut short or a lot shorter than you thought it would be. Um, a lot of players don't get a sense of closure. Um, but for me, going up to the CFL was kind of that closure, right? I mean, uh, my knee to this day still doesn't feel great. Um, uh, and I used to look forward to going to practice every day, right? That, that was fun for me. And uh, working and preparing and getting better and, and being up there, I, you know, I enjoyed my time. Um but I, I didn't have that desire anymore, hmm. right? Like I didn't—I I wasn't getting excited about practice. I wasn't getting excited for games, and 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 you know, when you're a player and you're not getting excited for that stuff, it's kind of kind of like why, you know? Right. Um, so it, it was good. I mean, it was a fun time up there with John. You know, I, I got to know John Beck real well. Uh, I got to be with one of my good buddies. Room with one of my good buddies, uh, Lavelle Hawkins, who, who was a, a fourth-round draft pick from Cal. Um, back in uh, 07. Um, But it was, I mean, it was a blast just getting to hang with those guys and and keep playing ball.
0: John Beck's on my show next week, uh, by the way, listeners. Last thing for you, Austin, uh, you referenced your knee, which isn't feeling great. Else, uh, otherwise, how's your health, especially relative to, you know, head trauma and reiterate why you're up in Montana and what you're doing relative to concussion assessment, and then we'll we'll let you go for tonight.
2: So uh, we're up here... In in Montana, um, just kind of getting a product out there that that, uh, we think could uh, benefit youth football and and other contact sports. Um, It's basically an assessment tool uh, used on the sideline during the game time um, compared to a baseline that you have taken prior to playing. Um, And it's kind of given more, just more tools to have in the toolbox to help manage and treat concussions um, and kind of guide coaches, parents, um, and physicians to, to kind of get all on the same page um, and to make a, a better educated decision on whether, you know, to return to play or, um, uh, you know, to sit out or how long they need to sit out. Right. So it's a, it's a pretty neat uh, tool application um, and we 're just trying to get into the hands of as many youth and high school and college programs as we can
0: and how are you feeling personally
2: uh, i 'm feeling all right <laughs> feeling all right uh you know there's there's uh there 's definitely some uh there 's definitely some things but uh you know that's that 's uh i mean that 's yeah but i mean i i don't want to go into
0: detail but we're doing we're doing my wife and I are doing just fine. Well Austin, uh Cougar Nation, I wish you the best uh in your life as you uh as you move forward and uh the next time I get to see you will be a good time and I'll 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 look to thank you personally for taking a few minutes with us tonight and whatever you need in the future, if you need anything in the way of getting the word out to to anybody about anything you're working on, uh, please let me know. I'll be happy to help. All
2: right, Greg, I appreciate it, it good talking to you.
0: Thank you, Austin. All right. Austin Colley with us uh, live on the phone from Montana tonight. Coming up next, BYU linebacker coach Steve Kofusi is in studio, Studio 2, where we host Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel every Wednesday from 6 to 7, Mountain Time, 8 to 9 Eastern Time. You're on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. My name is Greg Rubel. We're Behind the Mic, and Steve Kofusi is coming up next. Stay with us. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. My thanks to Steve Young and Austin Colley, a couple of all-time Cougar greats who joined us in the first two segments tonight. Well, he transferred from Dixie College to BYU in the mid-80s and played as both a lineman and linebacker for the Cougars, racking up nine sacks and 17 hurries over two seasons in BYU Blue. After being drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles and playing professionally over the next few seasons, Steve Kafusi got into coaching, first at Utah, where he stayed for eight seasons, and then at BYU, where Steve has been for the last 15 years. He's the elder statesman of Kalani Sitake's staff and the father of a former BYU player, a current BYU player, and a future BYU player. He's also the father of a former BYU women's basketball player, the uncle to many current and former college players everywhere, and the husband of the woman who may be the next mayor of Provo. He is BYU linebackers coach Steve Kofusi. We welcome Steve into studio too. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. You were born in Tonga. How long did you live there?
3: Uh, So I was there, born there, um,
0: moved here after I turned eight. Yep. So I was there for my first eight years. What are your most prevalent childhood memories of life in Tonga?
3: Um, well, my parents were, uh, first of all, was a service missionary where we, my dad was involved in building chapels. So we moved around to different villages where he was able to help build, uh, you know, LDS chapels. And then shortly after that, uh, spent another two years, they were called to go on a couples missionary. Yeah, at the time, they needed, uh, you know, just members to go out and, and uh, you know, really You know, be branch presidents in different villages where they just needed people to really teach the gospel principles and so forth. So really, I can count probably, what, six, seven schools, elementary school I attended, Hmm. you know, between those, you know, three to four years, you know, that my parents were out. So after the age of eight, where were you headed to? So uh, after eight, we came back to the village where where I grew up, uh, Fort Motu. Um, that's where the airport is. And shortly after that we we're able to uh get our uh visas to move here to uh Utah. Where'd you come? Uh nineteen seventy two. We all had little slippers and aloha shirts and khaki shorts and got in the plane and uh I remember, you know, uh, flying into Hawaii and then obviously uh end up here at nighttime, and I saw all the lights from the plane looking down. It was just a whole new thing for me, you know, and for the family. And um, and I remember just getting out, and there was an escalator, I believe, and I didn't know whether to jump on it or not. You know, <laughs> never seen one of those. To so what city? Si- my early memory.
0: Yeah. To what city did you relocate then in Utah? Then what was your
3: first home? Um, so we were right there, uh, kind of the corner of Fifth East. And 400 South. Salt Lake City. Yep, yep, right there. Just wow, you're right downtown basically yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, So there's a library close nearby. So moving here, I remember walking with uh, my siblings there uh, to read books <laughs> and check out books. And that was the part of me learning English and, uh, you know, growing up here. Yeah,
0: because you, let's not forget, you weren't speaking the language yeah. when you guys got here, yeah. right? I I learned how to say yes and no. That was it. Wow. When did uh when did sports and football become part of your life?
3: Um, I think we've always enjoyed sports growing up. Uh even uh, growing up here, you know, we were always uh, just playing. You know, there's a police athletic league club that, you know, we kind of hang out at after school, play a lot of basketball. There was boxing in there, um, you know, and playing rugby. There were, uh, the Polynesians had some rugby uh, league teams, you know, during the summer. So we always jumped in there and run around with the guys and, and play rugby and, and got ourselves in some of those teams. But I, you know, I didn't uh, really play football until I was a sophomore in high school where we we were playing rugby and practicing next to where the football hmm. kids are. I think it was a sophomore team, and the coach walks over. Hey, we we really need some more guys to, you know, play. We don't have enough, to, you know, and would you guys come and learn how to play? And we don't know how to play, you know, we'll teach you. And so that was the beginning of, uh, you know, learning how to play American football.
0: Okay, I got a lot to get to before I get to the end, but I want to go to the end really quickly and relate it to what you just talked about. So you found a kid named Mo Longhi. Where'd you find him? Uh found him in uh, in Tonga, you know. In Liahona,
3: there's like different little, you know, the, you know in fact, the people, Liahona is mad because, you know, I think it's Makeke, which is across the street from Liahona High School. That's the name of the little village part of the town, mm-hmm. even though it's all in Lejona.
0: So I always have to give a shout out to. Okay, the, let's do know, it. Yeah, it. Right <laughs> <laughs> so I only bring him up. So you find this kid in Tonga that has not played the game before. So Molongi as a college freshman, is like you as a high school sophomore. You were mm-hmm. learning it really for yeah. the first time, right? Yes, that's right. Who picked it up
3: quicker? I don't know. You know, he speaks English and uh, really well because he served his mission out here. And even in the high school uh, in Tonga, we went to Tonga High. You know, they they you don't uh, speak Tongan when you enter the campus there. You're allowed, you know, you're expected to speak English. OK. So I was when I visited him, you know, I was surprised how well, you know, he spoke English.
0: So in your life, I know a lot about your, your male. Are there Are there any female siblings in your family? Uh, there's two sisters. Two sisters, a lot of brothers. Yes, six brothers. And, and uh, among them, uh, one of them is a fellow. Jason's coaching at UNR still, yes or yes. no? Yes, yes, he's So there. Jason Kofusi is at Nevada. Coach in line. Uh, Rich played at BYU. A lot. Mm-hmm. So you and Rich were the two that played for BYU, right? Yes. And then are there others still involved in the game?
3: So, yeah, the other four played at University of Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother, to Doug Jeff. and yeah. Jeff. And so De- uh, Doug is helping out at University of Utah football. I think he's either with recruiting or, you know, somewhere there. And then, um, let's see, uh, my brother Jeff, uh, he teaches at Bountiful, but he coaches at Alta High School with Alamateo.
0: So the Kafusi family name is all over the place in the world of football, and and your kids, um, I'll make sure I get them all named again. We know about Bronson and Corbin. Devin's currently on a mission, and he'll play for you. Um, But uh, at Daryl is is a daughter, yes. and Alexis is the other daughter. Alexis yes. played for BYU, right? So that's all, did I get all five? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, so the, the current player, Corb, the former player, Brons, and then the future player, Devin, who's serving on a mission. And so both twi- are Devin and Daryl twins? Yes. And they're both serving missions at the same time yes. right now, right? So
3: yeah, Devin will be back in October. He's in Munich, Germany, and then Daryl... Line, linebacker, you think? Uh, no, he's too big. He's built more like Bronson. Okay. So you know he'll probably be a defensive end of <laughs> Start
0: okay. at. Speaking of Brons, uh, I go to New Orleans tomorrow, and I get in about an hour before game time. The Saints and Ravens are playing tomorrow night. That's People right. thought maybe Steve can go see Bronson play, but you guys aren't going until got you guys going Friday. Or? Yeah, yeah,
3: we'll, we'll, they've already left. Maybe that night. It's not going to work out to see him then in the morning. Yeah,
0: but it, by the way, it, we shouldn't. I shouldn't take for granted how cool it must be for you to have kids either playing for your team that you currently coach or or now in the NFL. It's a thrill, right? How cool is that? Yeah, I mean it's just. I'm loving that. Yeah, how's Bronx doing? By the way, he's at, seems like he's had, a, he's had a good recovery from that injury last year. Yeah, so he's recovered. He's he was able to play
3: the last uh, was a three preseason game. This is their last one here this Thursday
0: in New Orleans, and uh, he's doing well. You've coached for Gary Croton, Bronco Mendenhall, and Kalani Sitake here at BYU. So if, if three staffs keep you, there's, that says something about the guy that is kept through all three of those staffs. What's it been like to be kind of like the transition guy uh, twice now, really? i
3: tell you, I am really uh, feel blessed, just gratitude that, um, you know, each coach of, uh, you know, have faith in me and, and trust me in what I'm doing and uh, even with Kalani coming in. So I'm just grateful that, uh, you know, because, you know, it's easy for any coach, it's uh, you know, it's who you know and who your friends are. And so you know, I was grateful that he was able to, um, you know, keep me here.
0: You've been the D-line coach for a long, long time, and now you're the linebackers coach. Um, coach Tuiaki's talked about uh, uh, that, that that assignment shift. How has it worked for you, and how much are you enjoying the guys you get to work with
3: now? Uh, I'm enjoying it very much. Uh, I really enjoy the linebacker crew. And, you know, there's always a lot to learn, you know, moving to a different position. Uh, but, uh, you know, it it's just gives me a chance to even, you know, really see it, things from the back and really learn, you know, the, the scheme that they were implementing since, you know, last year. And so it, it really, it's been great.
0: On Twitter, Robbie Haskell tweeted in a question for you. Uh, why has BYU been able to recruit the linebacker position so well for so long?
3: I think there's uh, even in the LDS community there are there's a lot of kids now in the country you know that's that's you know they're good linebackers and so they we've always had good linebackers here and uh you know I think we'll continue to you know to recruit and get more linebackers. I mean, we got a lot of them out on missions right now, and we're even looking at some great ones right now in recruiting. So, yeah, the future looks great.
0: There is a Kafusi on the D-line, Corb, but there's also a Kafusi in your crew right now. Uh, give us your relation to Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is uh, my nephew. Uh,
3: his, his father is Jeff Kafusi, and he's the one that's uh, coaching up at Alta right now, but uh, his father played at the at, at University of Utah when I was coaching there for those mm-hmm. eight years, so Uh, you know all four of those little brothers of mine they
0: made me look good like I know what I'm doing when I was up there Speaking of that uh, there's a lot of cross-pollination between the BYU and the Utah staffs coaches that go from one to the other having played for one or the other there's a lot of that going on it seems like it's kind of unique in college football that in particular those two schools have a lot of interchange that way between staffs I I don't think that anything else really comes to mind in other schools of those that really see that much crisscross there
3: Yeah and it's it's been uh, amazing to see, you know, all those, um, you know, for even for the BYU uh, former players, you know, who've become coaches. So and also just you know, ever since uh, Coach Whittingham uh, and his father Fred were up there at Utah, you know, that was kind of the starting of you know the shifting and also it's just again friendships mm-hmm. and you know who you know and so there's a there's a lot of even when Kalani he left here. Um, I know he ended up when Gary left to Southern Utah, you know. So he took Kalani with him, and so he went back to Utah for that and took Kalani. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of that going on.
0: And you said Doug's currently with the Utah program in a way, right now? Yeah, yeah. But I think Will you guys talk uh, a lot next week, or not so much.
3: <laughs> you know, he, he, he's so busy, and, <laughs> and we're busy, and we hardly talk. You know, unless we get together as a family stuff. But every now and then, you know, you, there's a the sibling. Text group. Yeah. You know, there's one with the sisters. There's one with all of us, <laughs> sisters and brothers. And then there's one with mom. You know, so we got to make sure if we're talking behind uh, something that we don't want the sisters to know. Mom, you know, it's just the brothers. You know, now
0: talking. You got to properly judge the content exactly, for the audience. Yeah, you know, we always right.
3: got to check the group text.
0: Okay, your wife Michelle um, has made it into the general election for mayor of Provo. Are you prepared if it it happens to be the first gentleman of Provo? (laughs) We'll cross that bridge when we get there. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, people have
3: mentioned that and, you know, kind of made fun a little bit, you know, uh, about that whole thing. But I just say, hey, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, um, I'm proud of Michelle. She's worked hard here in our community ever since we moved here 16 years ago. And, um, you know, it all started just – you know being a uh, volunteering in the schools and working her you know decided to run for school board and and so forth and you know she just loves helping people and she's a little hard worker i don't know where she gets her energy from but she's a she's a goer she's a doer and uh but she loves helping people and she loves this place she obviously she grew up here in Provo and so uh, I've been really
0: proud of her. We wish her luck in the election in November. The Thank season you. ahead for BYU. We have a couple minutes left here, Steve. You leave for uh, New Orleans here in a couple days. And the LSU on the weekend, the game's been shifted. And we all know the story behind that. And that's certainly part of the uh, uh, the complexion of this game. But in the end, it's going to be a game you have to play on Saturday night against a very, very good football team. That's one of the real top names in the game right now. How excited for you and your guys are you to get this uh, challenge, this opportunity? Oh,
3: you know i'm
0: I'm all for playing the very best and uh
3: so excited for this game and I know our our kids our players are really excited about this opportunity and so um you know you know there's a lot to learn from the first game, a lot to fix as far as you know just mental errors and things that we can do better, so the week has been you know practicing not only what we're you know what we're gonna do but you know just you know refining. And, you know, t- you know, trying to execute, you know, at a higher level, you know, I mean, if, if one guy makes a mistake out there, you know, then it doesn't matter, you know, what the other 10 is doing, you know. So, uh, kids has been really working hard on just the execution part of it and, and the communication and, and, you know, I hear it might be loud in there, so we'll see how many fans we have in there, but... Uh, you know, the preparation, the mindset is right. And, uh, yeah, again, just the kids are excited for that opportunity.
0: Kalani said we should probably expect to see Butch in Game 2, the LSU game. Didn't have him last week. He could make a difference for you on uh, on Saturday, we hope, right? Uh, yes. Uh, excited for Butch to be back. You know, just...
3: Uh, you know he's a hard worker, and you know every now and then, you know we gotta kind of pull him back, you know, because sometimes he get tired, a little tight, you know. Uh, you know he's well built, and so, you know he's got it takes a while for that body to get warmed up,
0: you know whether it's practicing, but uh, you know he's excited to just get back out there this week. Kalani said there was kind of two sides of the coin after Portland State. He said in, in once that in, on one hand, he wanted to kind of remind the guys that, hey, you won the game. Don't be too down. By the same time, he's saying no one's really happy with, with how everything went down. So there's a lot to work on here in, in week two. Of course. You know,
3: the kids are just, you know, they feel a little bad. Like we're supposed to just go out there and, you know, roll over, you know, this team. Well, you know, they're they're – like us you know they're they they want to win too and so um you know there's a lot you know there's a lot of lesson to be learned from that first game like hey you can't take anybody lightly you know you yeah you feel like you're supposed to score 40 points on these guys and shut them out that's not the case You know, and they're
0: a good ball team.
3: And so I'm sure they're going to do well in their conference.
0: We look forward to what's going to happen this Saturday uh, as BYU takes on LSU at the Superdome. Steve, thanks for coming on and talking about your life and the season. And uh, best of luck Saturday night. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. That is BYU linebackers coach Steve Kofusi. And this has been Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Thanks for joining us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Catch us on demand on podcast, on byuradio.org or on my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast feed. Good night from Studio 2. We'll talk to you next week.